um, we've been doing that in our connect groups and up here. And we are on the third week of that this week. We have got Owen Papp with us. His debut in Bringing the Word. Owen's amazing. Him and his wife do Alpha. They lead a connect group. They're leading a discipleship group. They do so much within the life of the church. So let's give Owen a huge welcome and really encourage him as he brings the word this morning. Tell you what, well, Owen's getting ready. Why don't you get your Bibles out, get paused, get into Romans 8, uh, just as we give Owen a minute to prepare. I understand there's a video that's going to be played as well. We're going straight in? Okay, okay, that's good. Well, I'd like to say thank you very much to Dan and Joe for the confidence that they've shown um, and belief that they've shown in me to be able to be a conduit for God to speak through today. And uh, I'd like to thank you all for your patience as well because obviously this is not something I do regularly. I think the last time I, I spoke in front of a group of people in church was about 20 years. Today we'll find out why. <laughs> okay, so we're looking at Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through to 8. Romans chapter 8, 5 through to 8. Heavenly Father, hide me, lift up Jesus, through your spirit we pray, amen. Right, I'm going to be reading to you today from the New Living Translation. Those who, so I'm going to read verse 5 through to verse 8, and I'm going to read verse 9 as well. Those who are dominated, dominated by the sinful nature Think about sinful things. Those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. I'm just going to read verse 9 as well. But you, those of you who have accepted Christ into your heart and have become a Christian, you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. And that's what we're going to focus on today, my friends. Okay, so... We will recap again verse 1, no condemnation. Now that for me brings so much joy, so much happiness, so much just pleasure in knowing that God delights in the fact that there is no more condemnation. Anything that I have done, anything I will do, anything I do currently, there's no condemnation. We, as Joe put it last time we were together, we're in a new address. We now live with a hope and peace that comes from the fact that we are no longer condemned. Before Christ, I was condemned. You were condemned. We were all condemned. But Christ makes the difference. And as a result, we're not condemned anymore. Past, future, present sins, God has restored us and the relationship we have. Our place in heaven is secure because of what Jesus did, not anything else that we've done. We have a liberation in Christ that is deep, 
rooted in the love of God. Now, if we're not understanding this, the joy and the relief that comes from knowing that God loves us unconditionally, I don't think we understand the magnitude of sin. Because it's incredible to know that God loves us the way he does and that he has freed us from all condemnation. Which is why, of course, life in the Spirit, life that the Spirit provides, is full and complete. It brings peace. You know, God sends our friend, the Holy Spirit, to come and live alongside us. In fact, to dwell within us. Imagine that. God says, you can't make it on your own, Owen. There's nothing you can do to earn salvation. So I'm going to give you God's spirit to live in you now that you're a Christian. And this spirit that lives within you, this is going to make the difference. This is what's going to bring you life and peace. Now, as you know, I'm a football fan. And I believe that the Lord God, in his infinite wisdom, inspired someone in Liverpool to take on board this song. You'll never walk alone. Do I get an amen for that? You'll never walk alone. The Holy Spirit says, you will never walk alone. The Holy Spirit wants to dwell in us and make that difference and allow us to have a mind that is set on God. Sam and the worship team did an amazing job today of delivering the message of this sermon. Now, we didn't get together and discuss what songs to choose. The Holy Spirit did. Because every single song that was selected that they were inspired to perform and to, and, to, and to lift up God's glory talks about how we can fix our mind on Jesus. God is the author and finisher of our faith. And we fix our mind on him. That's what it means to have a mindset. A mindset that is fixed on God. Sometimes we forget. We know and understand that Jesus lived 2,000 years ago, and we see it way over there, back there. And we know that Jesus lives and reigns in heaven, and that's way, way up there. And we forget that the reality is he is right here, right here, right now with his spirit. He lives inside each and every one of us. The moment we've accepted him, he chooses to dwell within us. So the essence is not distance. The essence is presence right here, right now. And it's impossible for us to live the life of a Christian without that presence, without that spirit in our hearts and in our lives. It's that that makes the difference. Far too many times we think that we have to do it on our own. No, 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 we can't. It's impossible. God says, only through my spirit can you be the person I want you to be. Only through my spirit can you live the life that is pleasing and meaningful and your truest, truest life. And that's why there's a contrast here because there's a contrast here between life in the spirit, a life led by the spirit, or a life dominated by the sinful nature. We see there in verse 5, um, those who are dominated by the sinful nature or those who are dominated by, uh, who live in the flesh. The word flesh here in the Greek is, well, I, wasn't, I promised myself I wasn't going to use any Greek here, but it simply means, um, the sin, it was translates as the sinful nature. It means flesh, but it's nothing, not about our bodies as such. It's just that mindset of the body, of the flesh, of our sinful nature. And basically, any life that is without God's spirit is life in the flesh. 
anything, anything we do. I can be a good person. I can be a good person. I can, be, I can give to charity. I can uh, help my neighbor and my friend. But if Christ isn't in my life, then ultimately I am living in the flesh. And that's the difference. That's the key. Often we think about um, living life in the flesh as being very, very sinful and very, very uh, debased in some way. But actually, it's anything, anything that doesn't even have God at the center. And so what we discover, or what we did discover back then, was that life in the flesh, i.e. life without Jesus, is empty. It has no deep meaning whatsoever. If we're just focusing on satisfying our own selfish desires, we will forever, forever, forever miss out on the true joy. Now, some of you remember the films of Jim Carrey. He's kind of taken a bit of a back seat now when it comes to making movies. But he wrote a while back, or at least he's quoted of saying, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see it's not the answer. Wow. Here is a guy that people would look up to and say, he's got it all. He's got everything. He's got everything that he could possibly wish for, everything his heart desires. And he realizes that it's empty. There's nothing there. That reminds me again of Boris Becker. Now, Boris Becker, of course, won Wimbledon, age 17, and went on to have numerous Grand Slam trophies as well. And at the height of his success as a tennis star, he was on the brink of suicide. Imagine having everything you could possibly wish for, but you're thinking about taking your own life. He's quoted as saying, I had won Wimbledon twice before, once as the youngest player. I was rich. I had all the material possessions I needed. It's the old song of movie stars and pop stars who commit suicide. They have everything, and yet they are so unhappy. I had no inner peace. This search for peace is something that we're all aware of. And it was something that Augustine was familiar with as well because he realized that in order for him to experience peace, he was going to have to find something beyond outside of himself. See, Augustine was, as I tell my students, a bit of a lad in the day. And uh, he was trying all sorts of things to try to find happiness. The trouble was the happiness didn't last. It didn't fulfill him until he met Christ. And he wrote, you have made us to know you, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its peace in you. He wrote that in his book of confessions. You see, Christians understand what it means to have a peace that passes understanding. We're back in connection with God. We have a relationship that he gives to us through his Holy Spirit that gives us peace. A peace that the world doesn't understand. The world could be falling around, falling, falling, literally falling around us, but we have a peace that comes from the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives, and the world doesn't understand it. It doesn't understand it because it doesn't understand that we are now in connection, father and son, father and daughter. We are restored, and that's wonderful news. But the truth of the matter, of course, is that as we become Christians and God's Holy Spirit lives and dwells within us, we now then enter a war zone. 
we enter a war zone. Whereas before we became Christians, before we came to Christ, we just did what we wanted to do. Okay, so it wasn't going to be fulfilling and provide us what we wanted, but we just did what we wanted. And now we are confronted with a radical transformation. God comes and lives within us and gives us another option. And our minds become a battlefield, a war zone. We get pulled to try to do the things that once we did. And you may find that our attitudes to those things have changed. We become like in Romans 7, the man who says, that which I want to do, I don't do. That which I don't want to do, I end up doing. Relatable? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what do we do? If we don't want to experience that war zone, what do we do? We've got a choice. We can choose to be governed by the sinful nature, which leads to death, or we can do something else. We could choose life. We can choose life. Oh, I'm so glad I've taken that shirt off. <laughs> it was so hot up here. We can choose life. We can choose life through the Spirit. This life that God gives freely to us through His Spirit. It's wonderful. It's amazing. It's beautiful. There are three key points that I want us to go through now before we wrap up our, our service this morning, which has been amazing to see so much, so much of the Holy Spirit moving. Three key points about how we can develop this mindset and choose life. How can we do it? There are three key points. The first is to choose to fill the mind with the Spirit's words. I believe in ICT there's a term that says garbage in, garbage out. It comes to computer programming. Is that correct? Yeah. So if you put wrong stuff in, wrong stuff's going to come out. But if we put the right stuff in, the right result will, will manifest. And so the first thing to look at is, first point is, to choose to fill the mind with the Spirit's words. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, all Scripture is God-breathed. God-breathed. God's Spirit spoke through the people, the men, the people who were responsible for writing the, the Bible. John chapter 6, verse 63, the Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 12 to 13, what we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given. That is, we speak not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritualities with spiritual taught words. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to us through Scripture. That's our first port of call. We need to connect each day with God through His Word. That's what's going to get our minds fixed and set on God's, on God's work, on living the life that He wants us to live. That's the only way. We can't do it on our own. It's only through his word. Point number two, ask the spirit for help. Now, I was challenged when I was reading through a John Piper book called When I Don't Desire God. I'm sure all of us could have written that book. When I Don't Desire God. 
how to fight for joy. And on page 151 to 152, he talks about IOUs. And we'll put up on the board, hopefully, what the IOUs are. So please take a photograph of that if you'd like to, or jot down what the I, the O, the U, and the S stands for. So I'm going to read directly from his book. I, incline. The first thing that my soul needs is an inclination towards God and his word. Without that, nothing else will happen of any value in my life. I must want to know God and read his word and draw near to him. Where does that want to come from? It comes from God. So Psalms chapter 119, 36 teaches us to pray, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Very simply, we ask God to take our hearts, which are more inclined to breakfast than the newspaper, and change that inclination. And we ask that God creates desires that are not there. Okay. Open. O is for open. Next, I have to have the eyes of my heart open so that when my inclination leads me to the word, to God's holy word, I see what is really there and not just my own ideas. Who opens the eyes of the heart? God does. God does. Psalms chapter 119 verse 18 teaches us to pray. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. So many times we read the Bible and we see nothing wonderful. Its reading does not produce joy. So what can we do? We can call out and cry out to God. Open the eyes of my heart, O Lord, to see what it says about you that is so wonderful. You is unite. When I'm concerned that my heart is badly fragmented, you know, everything just kind of tied together. Everything's been talking today about fragmentation and fixing our eyes on God. It's been amazing to see how God's spirit has moved. Now that I'm concerned, my heart is badly fragmented. Parts are, are inclined and parts of it are not. Parts see wonder and parts say, that's not so wonderful. What I long for is a united heart where all the parts see a joyful yes to what God reveals through his word. What does this wholeness and unity come from? It comes from God. So Psalms chapter 86 verse 11 teaches us to pray, United my, unite my heart to fear your name. And the final letter is S for satisfy. What I really want from all of this engagement with the word of God and the work of his spirit in answer to my prayers is for my heart to be satisfied with God and not the world. A mind that's fixed on Jesus that is satisfied with, with God. Where does that satisfaction come from? It comes from God. Again, so Psalms chapter 19 verse 14 teaches us to pray, Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Romans 8, verse 26, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us. It's all God. It's all God. It's all God. God is in everything. He wants us to choose him each day because he says, I live and dwell within you. You are my people. But if you are going to make it, if you are going to experience the joy and the peace that I want you to have, it comes from everything I will do for you if you connect with me. And that's our role. Our role is to connect with God each and every day. Choose God. Choose life. 
Choose life in Christ because that's what he wants us to experience. The third point is to practice the presence of the Holy Spirit, of the Spirit daily. And there are many examples of how we can do this. I'm reminded of Brother Lawrence who talked about how he could find the joy and the peace that came from trusting in God by involving himself in everyday activities, menial activities from each day, and just seeing that God was there with him throughout. We need to listen to God as he speaks throughout our, uh, our lives. Do you know, I, I'm just thinking back to when Ben Middleton spoke last, and he talked about an experience how God spoke to him to try to, to fill up that petrol tank for that lady. God does this so many times. He says, look, I want to bless you by blessing someone else. We need to listen. You know, that, that was a message for me and for all of us here because it was a message that really, really resonated with how often we say, no, God, no, no I'm not going to do that. But God says, look, I want to bless you. Listen to me. Listen to my voice. Listen to my voice. I'm mindful of the fact that it's almost time for us to go. So I'm just going to leave you with one final illustration, if I may. We don't need to get you censored today, do we? So I've got a, I've got a bottle here. And when I was a kid, drinking Coca-Cola was a big no-no. The sugar, the caffeine, that wasn't, that wasn't part of my story. It's instantly recognizable, isn't it? Yeah, this bottle is instantly recognizable. There's no way you can uh, miss this. You can, unfortunately, uh, recognize this all over. Globalization has taken over the world. But I've got another bottle here in my bag. I did have. It's a milk bottle, yeah? Okay. Now, I want to... I want to transform this bottle into this. What am I going to do? Well, I could maybe, Dan, would you mind just holding this here so everyone can just see? I could maybe get a big label and stick it over the word Coca-Cola and put milk on instead. Maybe I could bash the outside of this bottle to try to change the shape to make it look like this. There's a lot of things that I could try to do to the bottle itself to try to make it look like this, but all of that would be a complete and utter waste of time because it wouldn't be one of these. The only way this could be transformed is by putting something else inside. If we put something else inside this bottle, it becomes a milk bottle because of what's inside it, not because of what we've done to the outside. This bottle is filled with what makes it what it is. We need to be filled with what makes us what we are meant to be. Bless you. Only God can do that for us. Only God can do that for us. But we need to be willing to have that experience happen. Now, maybe tonight, this afternoon rather, you have felt that actually there's something that's been said in the worship, something that's been said today that's made you think, actually, yes, 
I want to be filled with God's spirit. I want to be filled with what makes me the person God wants me to be. I'm tired of trying to do it on my own because that leads to nothing. If that's your prayer today, why don't you stand with me and we will invite God's spirit to be with us, to dwell with us, to live in us. And we will make a commitment that each and every day we will seek him first through these three approaches. We'll feast on his word. We'll feast on his word. We'll ask him to give us the help and the guidance we need to be satisfied with his word. And that we'll experience the presence of his spirit in our lives daily. If that's your prayer, why don't you stand with me as we close? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to you that you gave us your son. You love us so much that you would give your son to save us. And in so doing, you will free us from the condemnation of sin forever. There is nothing that I can do to change that in either way. You love us so much, Lord, that you gave us your son. And we're thankful, Lord, that you didn't just give us your son, but you gave us your spirit. A spirit that will live in us and dwell in us and fill us with the peace and the joy that comes from a mind focused on you. A mind set on your kingdom and your principles and the things that we can do here in this world now to bring about your kingdom. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have blessed us today. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that we are committing to you, Lord, our lives, knowing that you will take them and you will use them for your glory. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you just abundantly bless us each and every day. Father, I pray especially for anyone in here today who does not know you, who hasn't come to you yet, Lord. I ask you that you will speak to their hearts. And if they feel so inclined, Lord, that they will speak to Dan, Joe, or any other member of the team here today. And they will say, how do I have this transformation? How do I go from being an empty vessel to one filled with your love? filled with your spirit, with a life transformed. Bless us to this end, we pray in your holy name, Lord. Amen. Great message, Owen. It's really good to have you teaching. I see such a classic teacher pastor gift in you, your, your love for people and um, your desire to discipleship, um, to disciple them, but also your love for the word and the clarity that you teach with. And that, um, that illustration, that's really going to stick with us, isn't it? What a beautiful illustration about the importance of being filled with the Spirit. Thank you so much. We have definitely not heard um, the last from you. So well done. Thank you so much. Such a great, powerful message. Um, so let's not just leave it there. If we need to, like that is illustration, be filled with the Spirit. Don't rush off. The prayer team will be down here. Um, people will be bustling around, but this is your time to do some business with God, to ask the Holy Spirit to do exactly that. If you feel like you can't live the life of a Christian by yourself, you're absolutely right. None of us can. It's an absolute dead-end road. It's pointless even trying. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. So come and be refreshed today. Get somebody. It's very biblical to have somebody lay their hands on you and impart the Holy Spirit.